0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Data Fem, where we engage you with stories of how innovators across the globe are using data to achieve new heights in their respective industries. I'm your host Danielle, founder of Decayo Data, and I'm really, really excited about this next episode that I'm going to share with you today. If you know anything about me, receive my newsletter or look at my social media posts, you know very well that I am an astrology nut. And recently, I've had the pleasure of working with a very, very esteemed astrologer, Julie McGill. And she's a longtime friend, but she's been really helping me look through my charts and see, I guess, how all of the elements in my chart factor into my struggles, my victories, my mental state, my moods, and even my choices. And just talking to Julie in our sessions, I've realized that astrology is more than anything I've really encountered based in data. There's so, so, so much data, if you go on CoStar, you'll know this, that factors into your chart and so many ways to interpret it and cross-reference it with other people's charts. So I thought it would be really fun and informative to have Julie on DataFem along with her friend Sandhya Sudhakar, a specialist in Enneagram, which you'll hear more about, and see how these two studies intersect with our world of data science and come up with realizations that will illuminate new truths and ways to conceptualize the ways in which we process and work with data. This episode is kindly sponsored by my friends at Small Planet. You will remember them from Data Femme season one's finale where their developer Quinn McHenry was a guest. For those of you who don't yet know, Small Planet is a digital agency that builds apps and websites for all kinds of brands, whether you have a big brand or a small brand. And if you are looking for a new job in this transitional time, I want you to know that Small Planet is also hiring. And because I am directly connected to the team, if you're looking, please just contact me as you know how to do on social, email, dikayo at and I can make an introduction. But for now, let's tune in to our show. I just want to thank both of you for being here on Data Femme. This is really exciting. I'm really passionate about both astrology and Enneagram, and I'm always looking to learn more. And so I'd love to just start out with both of you telling me how you developed your passion and career for your respective studies and kind of what they mean, in case some of the listeners haven't heard the terms yet.
1: Awesome. Well, I will, uh, this is Sandy. I will start and, and speak a little bit about Enneagram. Um, so what Enneagram is, is it's, it's commonly known as a personality assessment tool today, and there are so many of those out there like Myers-Briggs or, you know, different other types of tools using corporate, like DISC and communication assessments and things like that. What I what I found is that it's much more of a than a personality assessment. It's really a tool for understanding yourself. And at a high level, you know, in the 1970s, it was kind of popularized, modernized by a psychotherapist. It's a framework. It's got nine different archetypes. So each person um, through the theory of the Enneagram fits into one of nine archetypes, and those archetypes are personality traits but then they also go into the level of why are those personality traits being demonstrated by you and it's driven by a core desire a core fear a core motivation that comes out and is the way that you get your needs met in the world so it's very rooted in ego psychology but the thing that I love about it as a tool is in um, the way that I've learned it is it blends psychology and ego psychology with spirituality and with somatics and so it helps us kind of have a framework to better understand ourselves not only to understand ourselves but to understand who we are not how how we act versus how other people act how we react versus how other people react and as we understand ourselves better and we can uncover the core motivation behind the things we do we're able to implement mindfulness into our lives and build presence and um, respond to the world in a way that is more aligned with who we are um, and and less reactive. My story is, you know, I'm a former corporate exec in sales and marketing. I spent most of my career at Procter & Gamble, which, you know, I'll pull in some uh, data ideas here throughout, but, um, you know was kind of the career achiever and um, knew that there was something else that I I wanted to do. There was something more. I didn't ever feel like I fully fit in or was being really fully fulfilled in that that part of my career. And I had a, a time in my life where quite a lot of things were high highs and low lows, and it made me really curious about how I responded to that from an emotional standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and so I just got really curious, and during that time, too, I was feeling a bit burnt out with work, and so I just, I took some time off, and in my exploration of my own life and what was going on and how I could better cope with it, I discovered Enneagram, um, which was Um, you know kind of highlighted to me by a former boss and I found it to be such a transformational tool in my own life that I got so curious and dug in and I, I can be someone who when I'm passionate about a topic I just want to learn everything there is to learn about it and so applying it to my life and then I found myself in situations where I was able to share it with others and it was so impactful in their lives as well that I just kept following that thread and Um, you know, ended up uh, starting a business and getting certified as a practitioner and using it as a big part of what I do. And what I do now is career coaching. So kind of combining that former corporate world of mine with the psychology, spirituality of Enneagram and helping people understand themselves better so that they can better navigate how they want to move forward in their careers, how they want to grow um, how they want to de-stress all of those things
2: hi i'm julie or jules and uh, i'm an astrologer and uh, sandhya that was a really interesting description uh or account that you gave about how you got into enneagram because it parallels so much how i got into astrology um i got a bachelor's degree in merchandising, fashion merchandising, and then went on to law school. And after I graduated law school and began practicing as an attorney, found myself also really unfulfilled. And, you know, that feeling is the same thing that you said. It's like, there's something more, like there's something more out there. There's something more I need to understand about myself. Um, I've actually dabbled in a lot of different careers. I have a a laser license and have worked in uh, cosmetic laser work before. I have renovated and flipped houses. I have owned several bars and restaurants. I have worked a lot in the service industry and You know, my interests are just so diverse and always changing. And I got to a point where I felt like I was just always chasing the next new thing and trying to settle down in what people would consider, I guess, like a real career or the type of career that, you know, parents maybe hope their kids aspire to do. Just felt it really unfulfilling. And there were a lot of parts of my life that felt unfulfilling. And I'd had an interest in astrology since I was very young, but I would say it was, it was surface level. And, um, I, I had a, went through a really dark time. I had many losses in my life that, um, convalesced at the same time. And I started digging really deep into astrology and was able to realize just that very thing. There is something more. And the way astrology was explaining myself back to me really helped me accept myself on a deeper level and understand myself. You know, I had been reaching in all these different directions, trying to find fulfillment through all these various careers and just always feeling like "Ah, something's missing. You know, I want a better understanding. And so astrology really gave me that. Um, And it gave me hope and it gave me meaning and it made life feel very purposeful again. Um, It helped me start to change the things about myself that I didn't like. And uh, after accepting gracefully those things um, and and helping me show up in the world in a different way. So uh, I say all the time astrology changed my life. And I really feel like it did. I I think it gave me my faith back. You know, I've always had this longing for um, a spiritual center. But I didn't have any link to the spiritual realm, or so I thought. And through astrology, you know, astrology has really bridged that gap for me. It helps me sit kind of in the middle of my faith in the invisible realm that we're subject to and all the things that we can't see, even like, you know, a lot of the scientific principles are invisible principles, right? I mean, astrology is right in alignment with that. And, um, it is bridging that gap, I say, between science and spirituality. And, uh, I've just really loved that. I would love to
0: pick both of your brains about the scientific, grounding that both Enneagram and astrology have. The way that both of you talk about this is just very, very scientific, very, very data fueled. But if you tell anybody else who is skeptical about, you know, personality tests or, you know, astrology horoscopes, they roll their eyes sometimes. Um, And I'm just interested, like when you run across those people How do you debunk, you know, their beliefs in that way? And um, do you feel like you're a scientist? And is that how you mentally approach all of your readings and work?
1: It's quite interesting because, you know, part of part of the work that I do, it does involve spirituality, but I see Enneagram as a tool of use this for what works for you and leave the rest behind and you don't have to believe that, you know, your soul came into this world with a core nature, but you do have to believe that we can change as human beings. And and believe that having a framework for understanding yourself better adds value to your life. And so that's the way that I I teach enneagram. It's it's not about the archetype and it's not about I am this type and therefore I'm always going to do X, Y, Z or I'm a type nine. So I really love reading a book, curling up on my couch and having hot chocolate by the fire. Like those are the things that I think make tools like this. And I know Jules could speak to this as well because, you know, it's this kind of like stereotyping and generalization and surface level approach to these types of frameworks or tools or modalities that make them things that people are rightfully skeptical of because if you were to tell me, right, my sun sign is Leo and so I'm always this and I'm always that, of course I'm going to be like pushed back against that and no, I'm, I'm a complex human being. So I think that's the, you know, the approach to really understanding a person, um, using these tools to help them understand themselves you know, there is psychology to it. There is, you know, behavioral science. When, when I, when I talk about Enneagram, it's about our behaviors, but it's about the root behind the behaviors and how we start to loosen the patterns that we fall into. Um, and so I take, I take a very, you know, kind of scientific approach to it. And I'm happy to kind of expand on that a little bit more, but you know, I think life is one big experiment. So we collect data, we observe the data, we make some changes, we implement new practices, and we observe again. And it's kind of this iterative process that you may take to a scientific experiment that we can also do in our lives.
2: I second all you say, Sandhya and Danielle. I, I definitely um, deal a lot as an astrologer with some judgment about astrology. And one of my favorite astrologers, he said one time that astrology has a really unique and lonely position in human thought because it's believed in by a lot of people who know practically nothing about it and is disbelieved in by even more who know absolutely nothing about it. So astrology is a a really touchy subject at times. and, And I come across many people that I choose just not to talk about it with because they're not approaching the conversation with an open mind but in my experience i look at astrology as one of the most remarkable sciences that exists right but one of the issues with approaching astrology from a scientific standpoint is that we don't know everything yet about all of the planets and and how they work i mean we're dealing with invisible forces of nature here And so kind of similar to science. I mean, we accept electricity without really knowing what it is. I mean, because we see its demonstrable effects and we can measure its demonstrable effects. And like the same can be said about magnetism, right? Like, what is it? Why does it work? But it does work and we can show that it works and astrology works. And so in my mind, that makes it a science. I mean, I do approach it, I guess, artistically and and have a lot of experience in in seeing that approaching astrology from like a purely scientific or data-driven mind doesn't work because astrology is so nuanced that it does kind of cross in between, I would say, a science and an art form. So there's a little bit of both happening.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, the last podcast episode of DataFem last week was about data science and art. And so it really is interesting to explore the, when a field, and I think all fields, could be considered this a merger of the two, um, a merging of the two. So, yeah, I really like what, Sandhya, you said like about the way you communicate this type of data to people is all in the phrasing like if you say you know i'm a libra so i'm always gonna be flighty you know (laughs) or you like don't don't date libra men or things like that um that are just making the real complex world of these studies feel so trite and that's you know why people get i guess disillusioned by it but I would love to hear from both of you about the data that you compile when you're doing consulting for people, how you learned to take in that data.
1: So one of the the things, you know, I'd mentioned when I talked about my story is, you know, I worked at Proctor and Gamble for, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years maybe a while. And um, you know, I was in the sales and marketing realm, but I used a lot of data analytics with you know, how we help retailers design their shelf sets and where to place products and how to promote them. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of analytics that is involved there. But one of the core things that we would do is like, try to understand how our consumer shops and that comes to us in forms of data, right? Spreadsheets, um, you know, purchase data, and that would help us talk about like, what is she buying? And, how is she buying it? Is she buying it with other things and how often and when and where? And those data points helped us understand a lot about the consumer. But in order to, to truly make it an insight, right? Going from a data point to an insight of like putting meaning behind something, we had to talk to consumers and, and ask them questions and understand why they buy what they buy or why they buy things together or why they buy things at a certain retailer. And, that why is very similar to like how Enneagram works. And so when I work with typing clients, and that's something that I do in like a two session intensive or over the course of several months working with people in career coaching, I ask a lot of questions about their behaviors. How do you respond to this? What does this kind of situation look like to you? How do you feel when X, Y, Z? And, and then I kind of go into a deeper layer of a more nuanced version of that. If I find that self-doubt, as an example, is a theme that comes up as I'm asking questions and trying to help them discern what their dominant type is, I might say, okay, self-doubt comes in many forms. Self-doubt can come in the form of second-guessing your own decisions because you want to make sure you're making the best decision, or it can come in the form of doubting your decision because you wonder what other people are going to think about it or it can come in the form of doubting your decision because in the past you've made a bad decision and you don't want to be wrong you know and there's so many layers of these things and so I take this kind of scientific approach to like collecting these data points about whoever I'm sitting in front of And then putting them together, you know, and I have this framework in my head and I can kind of like start to funnel down into, okay, you've demonstrated these traits. And so I think it might be this, but the way that I work with clients and typing, doing their Enneagram typing is ultimately they're the ones that have to decide what their type is. And so I can help you narrow it down to a certain extent based on your behavior. And then I have, you know, I have clients read some things and see Okay, does this land with you? Does this resonate? Does this feel really true? Does this feel like this piece of paper is reading your mind and understands you better than many other people in your life have ever understood you? And so that it's that same kind of how do you act, right? What's the data point that we're pulling at P&G about a consumer? And why? Why is what's the why behind that behavior? And so comparing and and like combining the Qualitative data with the quantitative data is the only way you get to it. And I can't ever tell you why you do a certain thing you do. So it's a process, it's a collaborative process in understanding someone's type. And I think that's why, you know, there are, like you had mentioned, there's skepticism out there. And I think for someone to take an online quiz that takes them five minutes that's supposed to tell them something about their life, like, yeah, of course that's going to feel like it's putting you in a box. And so you know the the data the data based approach and combining the qualitative and the quantitative is is the way you get to the type and then ultimately what that helps you do it's it's just the starting point the starting point is i understand my dominant type i'm going to read about it i'm going to really reflect on my core motivations behind what i do and then i'm going to use that understanding to make changes in my life that will help me be the best version of myself.
0: I think it's really interesting when you said, um, you know, you can't, as the counselor, tell somebody what their type is, because astrology, as Jules knows, is not like that. I can't say like, oh, well, my Mercury is in Scorpio, but it's also kind of an Aries, you know? And so that's something that I don't really understand about Enneagram but I guess I'm starting to from listening to you because technically in the percentages I'm both a four and an eight and there's really no difference but when I get asked questions and stuff the four definitely makes more sense and so quantitatively I guess I'm not any more four than I am eight but like when like the nuanced qualitative questions come up I start to realize which one I really am
1: yeah, and that's exactly the thing, right? So you may have taken an online test that said you're, you're a 95% match with a 4 and a 95% match with an 8. And quantitatively, it's telling you you're these types. But what actually happens is these online tests, I mean, any any online test or quiz or, you know, any data collection method is going to have its limitations. And an online test for Enneagram is only collecting information about your behavior, it's not collecting information about why you do what you do, and and sometimes we don't even know why we do things until someone asks us the right question, and we can really reflect on it and and dig back into our history and and look at our life and connect those dots. And so there are there are similarities, or there are common traits between a Type Four and a Type Eight. One of them being. Um, the emotional experience of a type four and a type eight can be really strong. And that doesn't always necessarily show outwardly to the people in your life, but that may have been a theme in the questions that you answered. And so the test is going to say, all right, well, you have these traits. You could be a four, you could be an eight. And, and then it's up to you to really dig in and say, okay, what does my internal experience really feel like? And what's driving these outward traits that this test picked up on to be either a type 4 or type 8.
0: Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of clarity on that. Thank you. And so Jules and I actually met um, at my former co-working space when she was doing this really cool presentation on her work. And I've had like a couple of sessions with her. So Jules, I'm wondering if you can talk about You know how data fits into your practice because i mean as far as i'm concerned and i've talked to a lot of astrologers like you just you know you're very thorough and you just definitely seem to have a natural inclination towards compiling data and making sense of it which is what a data scientist does so i'm just curious to hear your thoughts
2: Thanks. Yeah, it was it was interesting to be invited to do this talk, which has turned out to be a really juicy conversation, in my opinion. But, you know, I I don't think of myself as a, a data scientist. And I'm thinking, well, what in the world could uh, data science have to do with astrology? I, you know, Sandhya said something, which was exactly what I'd written on my notepad here. So I didn't forget to say it is. You know, for me, it's not so much about the data, but the meaning behind the data. So I think I focus on the meaning a lot more than the data, but like the data gives me the starting point when I'm looking at a chart and trying to get a feeling for how this person views life. Uh, and is experiencing life. So like, yes, I mean, it starts absolutely with the data and it is very complex. That's one of the misunderstandings about astrology is believing that if I'm born on May 23rd, I'm a Gemini and then I fit into that box. Or if I'm born on June 23rd, then I'm a Cancer and I fit into that box. And that's not true at all. That's one data point. And if you've ever seen your astrology chart or your, your natal chart or birth chart, it's called, there are so, There's an overwhelming number of data points there, so much so that people get very overwhelmed in looking at it, and it's like, what are all these symbols, and what do they mean? And it's like, yes, like astrology is an extremely complex uh, modality, but... It works, and it, it's just so amazing, and it it's cool how, you know, Enneagram and how Sandhya has explained it, that it just works very differently than astrology works, but both systems have their unique value, and I think it's so cool to be able to explore through these different systems all of these data points to help us get a better understanding of ourselves and our lives and how to feel fulfilled, right, and how to feel like we are um, living our purpose. Um, but differently than Enneagram in astrology, you know, it's what you said, Danielle, like, you're not like, well my my mercury's in in scorpio but it's kind of in libra i mean you're pregnant or you're not right like we can say exactly where mercury was at the moment you were born and so in that way like astrology is proscribed like your design is something that i can print out on a piece of paper and there's not much you can say to me to argue with that, right? Like, you could tell me, well, they must have mismeasured where the moon was at that exact moment or they wrote down my birth time wrong. Like, from this standpoint, it's very data-driven. It's very scientific. But what I cannot prescribe for you, and, and this is similar to Enneagram, is what you do with that. I can explain your personal energy to you. I can explain some tendencies that you might have and how you are wired, so to speak. But what you do with that, like that is your free will. And so astrology does not restrict you in any way. Like you you are prescribed that design that you're born with, but then it's up to you and you have the free will to say... How am I gonna use this energy that defines my individuality and who I am in the most beautiful way? And like, that's what astrology lets us do. And we can't really, you know, turn a blind eye to certain parts of ourself because they're right there in the chart. So it's all about discovering, like, how is it playing out and how can it be best used?
1: I think it's really interesting because as we talk about astrology and Enneagram, they both have parts of the, the systems or using the systems that are very black and white. They are very qualitative. Like, this is the situation you are, you know, this is where your moon was positioned you know when you were born or this is the way that ego psychology works right that the defense mechanisms of Enneagram and and those pieces are black and white and then there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of self-exploration and there's a lot of reflection on your own experience as a human being and and digging in and being honest with yourself or you know observing your life and finding these connections in your in your own experiences and you know that combination of black and white and gray it's like you mentioned the the skepticism that can come with tools like this and they both have a really deep root in spirituality while there's other sciences involved, spirituality in, in essence is, is the, the f- belief that there's something greater out there, right? Or there's something more than what we see in front of us. And to have that, it is, is important to, to not be skeptical of these tools. And if everything that you, you know, believe you need to see on paper in a scientific study, then these tools are not, you know, necessarily for that person. And that's Okay. But it's, it's the, the desire to, to know more and to experience and to, to learn and to trust to some extent that there's more there than what we can see with our own eyes.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely true about data, you know, consumer data as well. Like, you have these numbers on a spreadsheet, um, and the science really is... How do I clean this data? How do I standardize this data? How do I make the data work for the right context? How do I focus on certain variables more than others? And then the art is kind of being creative and coming up with a new process that might not be the current standard, but is easier. And that's where the innovation happens. So I want y'all to both walk me through the process that you go through making a new chart or a new assessment um, for somebody all sciences have kind of affirmed workflows really and a uh, standard of doing things with like numbered steps i'm wondering you know how your scientific process works when you get a new chart a new client etc
2: Yeah, one of the interesting things about astrology is that um, there are a lot of different approaches taught. And that is interesting because in some way, shape, or form, we all come to the same result. It's like asking, right, is uh, tropical or Western astrology more accurate than Vedic astrology, uh, the Indian astrology systems? There have been many, many, many astrology systems out there in kind of the same way as like the English language works and the German language works, and you can pass a message using either, right? Um, There are different astrological languages and there are a lot of different astrological teachings out there. And so one thing that I've actually enjoyed is figuring out what works for me. And I definitely have a somewhat scientific approach when I look at a chart. So if, if, if no one's ever seen a chart before, Um, there are different ways of presenting the data, so to speak, but I enjoy using like a circular chart that shows, you know, the, the placements of each planet around the earth. And it's easier for me using that type of a chart versus the charts that I often seen used in Vedic astrology. Um, it, it's more intuitive for me to look at that circular chart, which is the one I learned on, which is probably why, but. You know, it's more intuitive for me to look at the data displayed in that way uh, in order to start getting a feeling about the person uh, and the interrelationships of all of these little aspects of their personality and how they work together. Like every time I look at that circular chart, there are like certain things that I approach first. So in astrology charts, we're not just looking at the position of the sun when you were born, but all the planets And depending on how the planets are spread out or interrelated or speaking with or communicating with one another, certain planets have a tremendous, like, greater influence on the person than other planets. So I often look at certain planets in the chart, right? Like, you know, if you're just learning astrology, you'll learn that, like, the sun, the moon, and the rising sign are all very important. Uh, and I do still look at those, but with all of my experience, you know, I'm, I'm going into a chart and I'm looking at those three things, but I'm also seeing like, where are planets clustered up in the chart, right? Like what house are they clustered up in? Or are there three planets that are all sitting right on top of each other? So I'm, I'm looking for these, um, connection points between the, the data points that are very visible to me in the circular chart. And then I'm also able to look at the numbers, right? So if I'm looking at an aspect or the degree based relationship between the sun and the moon, and I see in one chart that the sun and the moon are close together, but they're still 10 degrees apart versus another chart where the sun and the moon are close together, but they're one degree apart. I can look at that and say, wow, like this is really affecting the second person in a way that's more pronounced than it might affect the first person. So visually, I can look at these data points and the numbers and the exact positions of the planets and derive some meaning from that. Yeah. And I I mentioned a little bit um,
1: in terms of discovering, uncovering, helping someone identify their dominant Enneagram type. I mentioned a little bit about the process that I use in typing where I'll ask a series of questions and there, there is no committee out there that's deciding whether or not you're doing it right. And so there are a lot of different schools of thoughts or ways that people are taught to use the tools and, and do the typing or do the chart reading um, the school of thought that I learned from is is called the narrative Enneagram. And, and they gave us kind of a process and a framework to work off of to ask a series of questions that moves around the diagram itself. So if you have if you Google Enneagram, you'll find a circle with some lines across it and one through nine around the outside, and it can look a little culty. I understand, <laughs> but essentially this diagram is like it's a very deliberate diagram and. It's a circle that shows, you know, we we are all whole human beings and we all have all nine types in us, meaning we all have all nine core motivations, core fears, core desires. But the theory of Enneagram says that we lean on one more than the others. And so that core motivation is the thing that we're trying to uncover through your discussion of your experiences in your life and all of those things and so I ask questions in a certain order I probe where it makes sense to probe and so it is definitely a mix of art and science because there are big themes that can come out um and then I can you know dive deeper into the nuance of that but I think the important thing is like you know, we all may have self-doubt in some form or we all may look for validation in some form or we all may have fear of uncertainty in some form. Like that's just part of the human experience but it's like where is that coming from? What does it cause us to do and how does it cause us to react in our lives that is the part of the, you know, the scientific method of uncovering and, you know, I've become a bit of a student of change and, and cognitive design and why we're resistant to change or what are the things that help us change. And like ultimately what I do with clients is use the tool to help them change and become a more present, a more aware, a more responsive versus reactive versions of version of themselves through the deeper understanding of of why you do what you do.
0: Data visualization. And you kind of just mentioned this, Sandhya, when you were talking about the, I laughed. You can hear me laugh about the like, cult symbol looking, um, (laughs) chart for Enneagram. So I'm wondering, you know, if you know anything about data visualization or even if you don't like, how does the presentation of these charts factor into the success of a reading or success of a study? Like what, where does the visual presentation fit in?
1: Yeah. So unlike your natal chart or birth chart and astrology, there's not one that's specific to you for Enneagram. The The diagram is the diagram. But I think the interesting thing about the diagram is, one, it shows that, you know, we have all nine types in us, but it also shows the interrelations between different types. And so... Um, you know, if you, you are a type four, you're going to have a connection to like the type two and, and another type and some of the, the deep rooted science and, and some of the, you know, spiritual, like have to let it go and just believe parts come in where um, it shows us that we have different interrelations between the different types. And so as an example, I, I'm a dominant type three, which the kind of core motivation there is approval and recognition and validation in the world through the things that I do and the things that I accomplish. I will go to a, a six in growth and a nine in stress. The type nine is much more conflict avoidant and will withdraw in situations where there's a lot of tension or discomfort and I find that pattern in myself where if I'm, if I'm really stressed and really exhausted in, in all of these things Um, I kind of just want to tune out or this idea of like narcotization like numb out the world like quiet the world go watch Netflix not talk to anybody you know so I I, I can use this tool to to see not only what how how do I uncover some of the ways I can um, get out of the box of of the tight patterns but also where I might go when I'm thriving or where I might go when I'm in stress and and what things might I try to embody to like get myself into a a more healthy place. So the visualization itself gives us a lot of information, um, but it's not necessarily like a way to present the data as I, you know, have a lot of history with it in my former career of there's a, there's a certain way to show the data and that's going to be more compelling or less compelling. But what is important I think too is that after I do the typing work with a client I have them run some experiments around in their own life and I have them do a daily observation on one or two things for a couple of weeks and then we meet again and we kind of distill that information and dig deeper. And so that is almost more what I think about is like how do I present the data in the most compelling way? Or in this case, the way that's going to help the client most with what they want to work on is I have them go collect their own data. And then we reflect on it and they can tell me what their observation of that was. And that's something that we use as a, a place to dig in.
2: That's really cool, Sandia. I have the client collect their own data. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I love how your process works and how involved it is between you. Um, And the client in this like discovery process that you're really doing together. Because one thing I will say about astrology is that it's, it's taking me more and more experience to really pull the client into and being involved in a session, you know, because I pull up this chart like I was talking about and, and similar to Enneagram, Sandhya, like you said, everyone has all of the types within them. And similarly in astrology, all of us have all 12 zodiac signs or archetypes within us that are appearing in some way shape or form or area of life experience so the question is what is your most dominant qualities right because we have all of them just in varying amounts that are really unique to each of us so It's very similar in that way, but when I pull up this chart that's like this circle and it shows all of the signs and all of the planets and has a bunch of lines drawn, sometimes I think the client feels a little bit overwhelmed and they want to listen more to what I have to say about it because it looks foreign to them. Uh, and so it's taken me a lot of work, like figuring out how to draw them into the conversation and have them give me even more data points to work with, if that makes sense. But, but Danielle, yeah, in, in, in astrology, you know, the, the chart looks like a map. It's, it's the circle and it has all of the planets scattered around the globe as they were at that time of birth and uh visually looking at it like that as i was saying is really important for my ability to read the chart or to interpret what the the positions of all of those planets mean or how it plays out and i'm so specific about what the chart looks like the actual presentation of it that if i try to use a different software like i've actually spent A significant amount of money on software that I opened once because the way it displayed the chart was not intuitive to me like you know things that were close together appeared further apart because of how the writing was spaced out and things like that really kind of have gotten in the way of my intuitive process and so you know I have one software that I like to use and I'm used to looking at that chart And now it becomes difficult to look at any other like format of chart that gets in the way of me, like using my vision and my intuition at the same time where all the the data points start to make sense in relationship to one another.
0: Yeah. I'll never forget the first time you gave me my natal chart and there were just these blue and red lines, but those are like, probably my favorite aspect of charts now to see like which planets are making a beeline for each other you know um there is something you said that i just want to clarify like when you said that we have elements of all the signs in us you know i don't have pisces in my birth chart at all but it's somewhere there
2: yeah it's definitely somewhere so what you what what you've just told me is i have no planets in pisces When i was born so yes when you were born there were no planets in pisces but we can definitely talk about this when it's just you and me pisces is hitting your chart because it's hitting one of your houses and the house system in astrology divides life experience into 12 sections right so we have like one house that relates to the body and the image and another house that relates to our possessions and our money and our values and another house that relates to how we communicate and another house that relates to our family so the houses are dividing our life experience into 12 pie pieces and one of those pie pieces for you is overlapping with the sign pisces so you do in fact have pisces in your birth chart But it might be less pronounced because you don't have any planets that were traveling through the sign of Pisces at that moment you were born.
0: Gotcha. So interesting. So there's no way that somebody is missing a sign in their chart. Everybody has a component of all of it.
2: Exactly. I always say, like, be careful of that sign that you loathe right like you you taurus drives you crazy right well you act like a taurus you behave like a taurus or approach some area of life with that taurus mindset all 12 signs are present for everyone it's just a matter of where they're coming in And it'd be interesting to look at your chart and see, like, why is this Pisces energy something that she feels disconnected to? Like, what area of your life is it coming in or presenting itself? And how can we make sense of that? We've
0: talked a lot about kind of technical aspects of Enneagram and astrology. How have you seen your clients improve their lives based on what you tell them about their charts and what they learn to process? I'll jump in on
1: that one. I, I have, you know, a number of clients where I've done a session or two with them. And then I have clients who I've worked with over the, the course of a couple of months. And, you know, I think there's transformation for everybody um, in some way, shape or form. And so, you know, I have a client who was able to understand her inner experience better by understanding her dominant Enneagram type and and start to see patterns in when do i get really upset or frustrated or irritated what is the theme the common theme amongst these these things that trigger me that cause me to be really short with people or really angry with my mom and you know say things that i don't really intend to say and you know and she was able to kind of connect those dots by doing the deeper digging And in just understanding what's the reasoning, you know, and what's the common theme and and why, you know, why am I doing these these things? So, you know, that becomes the, okay, I want to address this challenge, right? In her instance, she actually is a dominant type eight. And so in instances where she felt like she was being controlled that's when that deeper anger would come out and she would react in ways that she wasn't proud of later and so she was able to see that and then address that and and one build some mindfulness around is this person trying to control me or do they have intentions of keeping me safe or you know like you can start to kind of question yourself and say i reacted in a way that that you know made me um do something i didn't want to do but i can take a step back in future moments and discern what's really happening here and how do i need to respond to that situation so it's those little things right in our day to day and how we react to certain events or respond to certain events how we create presence and like deeper than that like asking us what we really need to give ourselves because the paradox of the enneagram is Each of these nine types, um, you know, we're looking for something outside of ourselves that we have inside of ourselves the whole time, right? So this, the type three that I mentioned, that's my dominant type, looking for validation and recognition and approval in the world through my accomplishments, where really at the end of the day, what I need to do is uh, make sure my sense of self-worth is healthy, make sure my sense of self-love is present all the time. And so what can I do for myself? to repair that or to patch that up when it might be a leaky bucket and and then I won't go seeking it elsewhere right and so those are the things like the pattern that we get into is trying to find something outside of ourselves when we can do things for ourselves and this is where some of the experimentation comes into play of put a practice into place and I'm very big on practical easy, actionable. Let's do, let's find something that works for you in two or three minutes a day. It's like keeping your car maintained. Every once in a while, yes, you're going to have a big issue where you need to take a car in and get it fixed. But like, if you change your oil all the time, you're, you're going to run more smoothly, right? And so it's how do we practice these things every day? What are the things that work best for us based on what our triggers are or where we get reactive or what we do when we get reactive.
2: Cool, Sandhya. I find that my clients are similar to yours and they just, they come in all forms because there are definitely clients who I meet with once who are really more interested in understanding like an event or a phase that they're going through. Like, why do I feel the way that I do right now? What's happening? Um, and they get a lot of comfort from understanding the astrology of the moment and, and knowing that this is a phase, right? Like this this will last about this long and this is why you're feeling the way that you are. And here are some, some different ways we can look at the meaning behind what's happening. Uh, what are we learning from it? But then I have clients who really want to dig deep into understanding themselves and absolutely all aspects of their life. And I mean, we could meet over and over again forever, really like just picking apart um, all of the ways that you look at the world and approach life and your experiences and how um, this is reflected within the natal chart. So, you know, clients all want something different and I just try to uh, understand what they're looking for and, and provide that, but just from a, you know, 30,000 feet or however that saying goes, you know, I think astrology provides just a lot of illumination, um, about why our life feels the way it does, uh, what our values are, you know, where that comes from, um, the things that we need to be making sure are, are satisfied. You know, our, our chart shows the, uh, urges for expression and our needs for fulfillment. And when we know what these energies are, when we can pinpoint them and look at the chart and say, boom, here this is, how is this showing up in your life? And is it showing up in a way that you enjoy or that is fulfilling you, right? So, and if it's not, we can think of ideas about how to let this energy play out in a way that feels better to you. So we can use our design or this energy that's always flowing through us In a meaningful way, once we are aware of it. So, for instance, if I'm talking to a client who um, has some symbolism in her chart that shows that she needs like a lot of of activity or freedom because she has Sagittarius on her, uh, the cusp of a house that relates to work, for instance but she's like stuck in a cubicle all day. I mean, she's going crazy, right? But does that mean she needs to quit her job? No. You know, my suggestion is, can you go out running at lunchtime? Um, Can you put pictures from your traveling as your screensaver? Like, what can we do to let this like Sagittarian instinct play out and, and have this like, urge and need fulfilled while you're at work without you having to like quit your job or make really drastic changes right so there is a way that we can fulfill all of these parts of ourselves that are competing with each other right in order to be be satisfied you know there are so many elements of our psyche that are driving us to do different things and it's like how can we make them all work at the same time and when we're aware of our astrology we can be really creative in figuring out ways to like play out, you know, let the music play, let this, this energy that's within you play within your potentially, even within like a current set of circumstances. So the awareness really gives us a lot of freedom.
0: It's really cool to get those specific stories about how you've transformed your clients' lives using this. Um, I'm pretty, pretty sure that there are are a lot of listeners here, myself included as I'm listening to you (laughs) who want to know a lot more about astrology or Enneagram and kind of want to start the learning process or at least spend some time looking into it. So I'm curious um, as to both of your favorite resources, um, knowledge materials for uh, both the fields.
2: So when it comes to astrology, there are a lot of amazing free resources online. Um, If you just Google like free birth chart calculator, you can pull up uh, an incredible number of websites that will run your chart for you. It escapes me right this moment, the site, uh, Sandia that we used for our last retreat. Um, But astro.com is my favorite that I use. And when you pull up your chart, which is free, might I add, there's a legend uh, next to to the wheel. Like the wheel might look really overwhelming, but there will be a table next to it. And it will actually spell out what zodiac sign that each of your planets is in. And that's a wonderful place to start just knowing which zodiac sign each planet was in at the moment you were born like each of those is a rabbit hole like you can you know search on youtube or online for information about each of these planetary placements and find a lot of amazing material i mean i always caution people that not everything out there is the best right so like if something doesn't feel right move on you have to use a lot of discernment when you're going to these free online resources Um, but if I could recommend a paid resource one of the most wonderful resources that I still use is Stephen Ario's chart interpretation handbook his last name is A-R-R-O-Y-O Stephen Ario so this chart interpretation handbook is just it's very simple I mean, he like wraps up such complex ideas in a matter of 50 words, you know, so you can look up all your planetary placements in this book. And it's not a very big book. It's just a great reference book to have around. Um, also, you know, I, I teach classes Um, I have uh, intro to the natal chart classes. I'm always free to do one-on-one sessions and mentoring and helping someone learn astrology. Or if they're really serious about doing like an astrology education program, anyone can always contact me and I would just be totally thrilled to lead them in a good direction towards some of the people who I have learned from. But this this chart interpretation handbook by Stephen Ario is probably the best. $10 10 or $12 that someone who's just getting into astrology could spend?
1: Yeah. And I would say for Enneagram, um, there are a couple of things. If you're trying to identify your dominant type, I would say one, yes, of course, you can certainly book a session with me and we can do some deep dive. I'll, do, I'll go through the typing process. And then we actually dig in personally into your patterns and put some practices into place and things like that. Um, but there are two really great websites and they're kind of the two main schools of thought on Enneagram. One is enneagraminstitute.com and the other one, and this is where I've gotten my certifications through, is narrativeenneagram.org. And Narrative Enneagram is a nonprofit, um, and they have a ton of good resources on their website and I would say if you want to do the typing journey on your own, just take the time get yourself into as receptive of a mode as you can, do some breathing, kind of just be relaxed and read through all nine types and really just see which one do you respond to the most. And sometimes it's like, which one do you feel triggered by the most? And which one do you feel the most uncomfortable reading? (laughs) Because that can often be the one that that might give you the most clues into your dominant type. Um, There's also a book, called the essential enneagram it's eight dollars and it can you know there's an assessment in there that includes you reading through different paragraphs and you can kind of dive into the the ego structure and the ego psychology of each of the types so those are a couple websites a book um, and then you can always send questions to me or contact me and um, my company is called Aperture Culture and that's really all about um, the aperture of a camera is where we let the light in. So it's all about building awareness and changing our perspectives. But on Instagram, I'm aperture, C L T R. So A P E R T U R E C L T R. And that's my handle. And you know, you're welcome to DM me with questions as well as um, reach out if, if you
0: want to work together. Awesome. What's the best way to reach you, Jules?
2: Thanks, Danielle. I was about to jump in because uh, Sandia had just reached out to me that That uh, great website for looking up your chart, if you're a beginner, is astro-charts.com. And the reason I really love this website is because after you generate that free chart, if you scroll down, the website actually lays out the elements of your chart in narrative form. Like it will say, you know, Gemini on the first house. Um... Uh, Cancer on the second house, Leo on the third house. It will spell out for you all of these various elements of your chart that you can then go and research and have fun with. So it kind of decodes that chart that looks like a bunch of hieroglyphics, right? It's like another language when you first see it. So that astro-charts.com is a great place to run uh, your birth data and pull up your chart and have it list for you all the various elements of your chart that you could start researching. And one thing that I want to say is that um, I highly encourage people not to pay for computer-generated astrology readings. So this is where, like, data science, in a way, kind of falls short in astrology. Astrology is very nuanced, and one plus one does not always equal two. Sometimes it equals zero, and sometimes it equals three. So I tell people, like, please, like, be aware that computers cannot do astrology like humans can you can still go online and have a lot of fun with it but if you're going to shell out dollars hire me or hire another astrologer whose website you resonate with or whose YouTube videos you resonate with to do a personal reading for you if you're going to be spending money and um, I would be happy to be that person if anyone wants to reach out to me um, my website is www.8thhouseguidance.com that's eight. The number eight. T H. com. and my email address is Julie, J U L I E at 8thHouseGuidance.com. And again, um, the eighth is is spelled with the numeral eight. T H. House Guidance. Well,
0: thank you both very much. Um, we covered a lot of ground. I know we did. But are there any just kind of last thoughts, last words of wisdom that? either of y'all want to share.
1: And Jules kind of mentioned this when she's talking about, you know, finding an astrologer. It's like there are there are, there's a world of resources out there for people for self-exploration, for personal development, for growth. And I think, you know, in today's world, like we're we're starting to shift away from the stigma of things like going to therapy. And, and there's there's even more out there too, right? It's like, find what works for you, find what you resonate with, find what you, you're you drawn to and specifically maybe who, right? You're drawn to that you feel you love their approach. And when you find a fit, that's that's a place you can invest and in drive your growth, right? If you find a certain framework, if you find a certain person, a coach, a therapist or whatever, explore that. There's no one right way to do it. And so I think it's just important that as we learn ourselves, as we learn how to move through the world in a way that allows us to be who we are and not who we think we need to be, or who, you know, we we think we're supposed to be, or who our parents want us to be, there's a lot of support, and so I'd encourage everybody to to find that support that feels right for you.
2: Yeah, I, I ditto that, Sandhya. I think it's a shame that you know for. A long time, we've lived in a society where there's a lot of stigma attached to like therapy and a lot of different forms of self-help. And um, especially with astrology, there's a, a stigma attached to astrology and a misunderstanding of astrology because what most people have been exposed to is like this carnival version of astrology that they get in, in newspaper horoscopes, right? And even those have, val- have value, but only if, if you know how to approach them Um, so, so yeah, I just, I like to caution people, you know, anyone can put anything on the internet. So if you've visited an astrologer who was not a great astrologer, if you've been to an astrology website that, you know, struck you the right way, um, I just ask people to be really open-minded when they, you know, enter the world of astrology or enneagram and you know that they do find the person that resonates with them i mean i have a a personal history in just talk therapy right but it took me three different therapists before i found the magical one who in one session you know we like really dug up some deep issues just right away right but it took me a while to find that person and so the idea is just being open-minded and not giving up I mean if you feel compelled to like enter this realm of of using these new and and newly energized I would say or, or revived modalities that are becoming more um, acceptable or respected I would say I mean who who cares about uh, what everyone else accepts but it does irritate me at times that I feel like astrology isn't respected because like I said, it it changed my life. It saved my life in certain ways. So that's the main thing I want to tell people is, you know, not all astrologers are created equal on all astrology websites are not created equal. And so just use some discernment and, and be wise and keep an open mind because if you You know, do those things you will definitely discover a lot about yourself and and will be able to change your life in some very positive ways.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I feel like I've learned a lot. I know that my listeners will have learned a lot that they didn't know, and I'm so glad that both of you are available to do sessions because I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in exploring their world in this way. So all of you listening, definitely share your thoughts and feedback with me. On Twitter, on LinkedIn, wherever you see this episode, wherever you're listening, definitely be sure to comment and we can get a cool discussion going about synergies between data and Enneagram and astrology. And be sure to check out smallplanet.com like I mentioned earlier. It's a really fun site for anyone interested in apps of any kind, and I did mention that they are also hiring, so if you are looking to get data hired, that is a good place to start and to go. And of course, as usual, if you're interested in supporting this content and future content, because we have a lot on the chopping block for you, go to Patreon and become a supporter at patreon.com slash datafem. But that's all for now. Have a wonderful week until next episode.